Hey everybody, my name is Drew Baker. Welcome to The Brutal Podcast. On this show, I interview progressive winemakers, brewers, chefs, farmers, and other interesting people at my kitchen table. We tell stories and talk about our lives and interests. And we'll even touch on issues that are way bigger than food, beer, and wine. Nothing added and nothing taken out. On this very first introductory episode, I've invited my co-host, business partner, little sister, Ashley Johnson, to interview me. She knows me very well and will ask questions to help you get to know me also. And also will familiarize you with the format of the show. So that's it. Table set. Ashley Johnson in the house. Welcome to the show. Hi there. Thanks for having me. <laughs> cool. So like, when we were talking about uh, what, uh, the idea behind this brutal podcast and, um, you know, just sharing stories, life experience, interests, mm-hmm. um, interviewing uh, friends and people that we've taken inspiration from and emulated over the years, um, we, you actually came up with the idea that it would be fun to do an initial episode where we try out the format and interview me so that those who listen to the show uh, get to know the host uh, right. in advance of all of the episodes. So I've, I've actually recorded like eight episodes at this point. And <laughs> right. uh, so uh, now we're kind of going a little bit out of order, but I think it'll help to kind of like bring it all together and yeah. uh, and lead with this uh, before some subsequent episodes. So yeah, and you have such a cool story. I think it's really awesome to share. And you know, doing a little preparation for this show with you, I was scrolling through memory lane a little bit. And I think there's a lot of awesome milestones that we'll get into and talk about, but you have not always been the founder, farmer, and father that you are today. So just give us a little backstory. Tell us about how you got to where you are now. Oh boy. So you start with flattery and then follow it up with a big right hook. (laughs) Let's start with the easy question, right? Your whole life story. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us who you are. Uh, So I, uh, I grew up uh, in Severna Park, Maryland, sort of a suburb of uh, Annapolis, Maryland, uh, until I was 12 years old um, with uh, two little sisters, Lisa and Ashley, and my parents, Jay and Ginger. Uh, we have, my mom is one of nine, so I've got like 40 first cousins on that side of the family, so, and, and many of them uh, were based out of the greater Annapolis area, so grew up in kind of the big big Catholic family style, uh, uh, have many a memory of, of just growing up with, uh, with friends and cousins. Uh, and, uh, and, and then in two, 1999, uh, moved out to Westminster, Maryland, uh, to what is now uh, the farm where Old Westminster Winery resides, and uh, kind of did the second half of childhood there. And um, yeah, it was good. Rode dirt bikes. My sisters rode horses. It was it was kind of like um, you know the 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 country life, so to speak. Right. Um, and then uh, went went away to college, uh, Towson University. And uh, while I was uh, at school, um, uh, you and and Lisa are also <laughs> close in age. Uh, were away at school all at the same time. Uh, Mom and dad were empty nesters and actually tried to sell the farm where Old Westminster Winery is. And uh, dad's a carpenter, mom's a nurse. They still work in those occupations. So we're not blue bloods by any stretch. Uh, just just a hardworking family. And um, uh, so mom and dad tried to sell the farm, downsize. And uh, fortunately, 
2008 was a, a terrible time for the economy and uh, not a good time to sell a farm, that's for sure. So they were unsuccessful. And uh, we started having conversations about how to put the land to work, what we could do uh, that was kind of meaningful to bring a community together, provide, you know, occupation for ourselves, put our, you know, uh, just just uh, do uh, and live life together. And uh from that conversation came this ridiculous idea to plant a vineyard and make wine in, in Maryland. And uh, so, yeah, it's been 10 years ago now, um, but that's kind of how the, you know, just kind of set the table a little bit. That's, that's the backstory, the origin story of how Old Westminster really came to be. And in the last 10 years, um, you know, it has evolved, uh, you know, many times we, we kind of reinvent our, we've reinvented ourselves in the last three months even. Um, so, you know, we've just <laughs> been like, yeah, just kind of like young and, and energetic and flexible and, and trying to be um, forward thinking, trying to not only uh, build a business, be good stewards of our land, uh, our opportunities, our resources, um, but also to um, build community, to look out for those uh, that are kind of like within our sphere of influence and, um, you know, and, and, and to, to, to take care of people. Um, mm -hmm. that, that, that's what we're about. Um, and wine is very much just kind of a, a medium to doing that. Right. Yeah. I love, <laughs> I love this dynamic so much because like I I've lived some of this experience as well. So it's really cool to like hear your perspective all the way through it. Um, and you touched on a lot there, like one motocross that stands out. That sounds fun. But more importantly, you mentioned like starting the winery. Um, you know, this is first generation really of us kind of figuring it out. So tell us a little bit more of like your particular, the way that you came into the farming aspect and like how you grew your knowledge and experience base as you've, you know, as you have grown old Westminster and now are moving into another farm. Yeah, for sure. So, um, growing up as a dirt bike kid, uh, I, uh, am now great farmer. I've always had an affinity for dirt. Uh, I don't know that that is, uh, uh, you know, we, we're raising some pigs as well. So, I mean, it's just, uh, and it, the dirtier, the better, apparently. Uh, I don't know that I've ever made that uh, sort of uh, myself before just right now, but... Uh, I've never heard that before. <laughs> it seems to be true, actually. Yeah. So grew up racing dirt bikes, which was, um, you know, lots of fun and also lots of injuries. Um, I remember thinking that I was going to go professional and make a career out of that, uh, which, you know, now looking back is just hilarious. But uh, it was my first dream. Uh, and now, um, you know, putting Maryland on the map for uh, making just like really inspiring wines is my second dream. And remarkably more realistic because I think that, uh, you know, lots of our listeners would probably say, wow, so you also have an affinity for ridiculous plans, um, which, which is true. Uh, and I'm comfortable with that. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of always taking on audacious projects and, um, uh, just kind of love, uh, developing a vision, uh, that is, um, you know, that is worthwhile, that's new, that's undone, uncharted territory, but also, um, you know, something that is, um, you know, big and not easily accomplished and kind of, uh, you know, putting, setting mind to, um, you know, a big project and, uh, and seeing it come through to fulfillment is, um, you know, one of the more captivating, uh, uh, sort of, uh, adventures, uh, that, mm -hmm. that kind of, I, I, I always try to find myself on. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think when you 
set a big goal, like you are quick to also do the work. And I know that when we first planted Old Westminster, you did some um, like apprenticeships and you worked at some other local vineyards. Um, you know, that's a great way, I think, just to, to building some of that early knowledge and experience that you got. For sure. Yeah. And like as part of this show, uh, you know, as moving forward as I and you on occasion with me co-hosting and sharing your perspective, insights, thoughts, etc. Um, something that I hope that we can achieve through this show is to provide some value for our listeners, some actionable steps um, for people who are like really interested in not just kind of listening to what other people have done, but finding ways to bring their own dreams to reality. Um, you know, I always like, you know, the first podcast that I ever really found myself listening to was, uh, you know, how I built this. And, um, yeah, you know, what I always liked about it was that it sort of brought in human stories to, you know, in those cases, big businesses that were wildly successful and transformative and changed the world. And um, while I have no uh, um, uh, sort of, I'm under no guise that that's the case for Old Westminster Winery, um, or frankly, um, uh, I, I don't know that everyone listening to this show I, should have that kind of vision either. However, um, if we uh, can and help others also um, turn ideas or projects into uh, meaningful occupation lifestyle uh, for a community, uh, I, I think that that is worthwhile and should be celebrated and hope that this show achieves and helps folks to do that. Um, so yeah, I want to provide some advice along the way. And I think one of, you know, a piece of advice that, that I have and looking back was, you know, kind of fortunate enough to have some mentors in my life that encouraged me to do it was to be quick, especially early on in your life, uh, to, um, you know, invest time in passion projects and not look for immediate payoff. Like if you're really into something, dig into it read a book, seek out people who are doing what you want to do, talk with them, ask to buy them a cup of coffee or a beer or a glass of wine and say, hey, let me pick your brain. Um, because it's amazing the knowledge and skills that other humans have uh, that we could benefit from. And, uh, you know, I, I know I will uh, always respond well when someone reaches out to me and says, hey, I've got an idea, I've got a thought, you know, could, could you, um, you know, could you riff on this with me? I, I love that. It's my favorite thing to do. And I only wish people would even do it more. Uh, and so my encouragement would be to, um, you know, to reach out to people that, that it, uh, inspire you and, and talk with them. They're humans. They'd love to help. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So now we'll just float your email out. So you'll, you'll get, start getting bombarded with questions. <laughs> I'm just, just joking. Uh, I love it. I always love picking Drew's brain, brain and your, I think, a wealth of knowledge in many categories. And I think it's really awesome. I'm excited just to be a listener to this podcast more broadly and hear those eight episodes that you've already um, recorded. I think it's, I think this will be a really big resource to not only people that are getting into this industry, but people who already are experienced. And um, I think it's really cool. So, yeah. And something just like a little, now that I've recorded eight, eight episodes and this, we're kind of rewinding a little bit to kind of like set the table before we roll those out. You know, the format will be like release one episode a week thinking every Monday that's, that's kind of the game plan. Uh, once we 
once we roll out this initial introductory interview between us. But, um, you know, I have been really intentional in setting this show up, and I'm so pleased with the way the first eight episodes went because um, I want to make sure that this show um, celebrates real people who are not just trying to uh, grow an agricultural commodity or make a product they can sell, uh, you know, make the best wine they can, um, it, but are really interested in, um, you know, uh, building community um, and uh, leaving positive impact. Um, I'm not interviewing, you know, wine gets this reputation and all reputations are built based on a, you know, a sliver of truth um, that, you know, a lot of wineries in America are retirement projects, right? It's big bucks. It's almost like this ego project. And um, on this show, we don't interview those types of projects. What we're um, looking to do is be very intentional about interviewing uh people who are trying to, um, you know, change, change the world, at least within their spheres of influence and, um, do something different, something meaningful, uh, provide opportunity for people who historically haven't had it. And, um, you know, even on this, uh, show, I want to be really intentional about making sure that, um, we provide a platform for, um, people who have thoughts and ideas to share that haven't found their platform within the wine industry before. So, um, those are just kind of some things that I'm really pleased with the first eight episodes and how I think we're, we're, um, going to be successful in, um, elevating, you know, people's voices who have something to say. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I think even within our own team, I think we, um, you know, I think we are empowering our team to leverage our passion and resources to do very much of those similar things and make a difference within our community community. If you could just tell us a little bit about our team and kind of that, that focus on community and the ways that you connect those, uh, we would love to hear that. For sure. Yeah. So, um, boy, um, it, it's tough to find a, a place to start with a question like that only because, um, you know, I really am so proud, like top to bottom, left to right of, of, of uh, everyone that is uh, on our team and really part of our family. Um, and uh, we, um, I, I think, have some really incredibly talented, passionate people who care about what they do every day and who recognize that uh, more than just making uh, awesome wine um, at Old Westminster Winery, um, we are, uh, you know, uh, providing opportunity for people to um, see what's possible in Maryland to experience, you know, delicious local products, um, to support a business that in turn uh, gives um, generously back to uh, the community. Um, so, you know, that, and I think our team really uh, is, is uh, you know, a driving force behind, uh, uh, you know, what, what, what we do, what we're about. Um, and, and, uh, just to highlight one example that I think is really cool, uh, only because I'm going to be inter, uh, interviewing her, uh, next Tuesday, one of our team members, uh, Kim Johnson, uh, has worked at old Westminster winery, I think for six, seven, six, seven, yeah, seven years. Yeah. Seven yeah. years. Seven. Um, I and I'm sure we'll talk about this on her episode. Right. Uh, which we'll be recording soon. Um, you know, I remember the first time driving to Southern Maryland to a wine festival in like 2013 with Kim and, you know, we 
held down the fort all day. And it was just kind of like a fun, like way back in the day memory. And now fast forward, I'm interviewing her next week because she has started her own winery, um, which is just kind of amazing that like she started working at Old Westminster as like a new hire, first employee, like send me to the wine festival. I'll do anything kind yeah. of into like now I'm interviewing her as a peer, uh, which is, you know, which is just like really amazing and fulfilling and something that, um, you know, I know I'm proud of and I know our, our whole team is. And, um, so like, I, th I think that's just kind of like a, a really, you know, cool example. And Kim's also going to be the first, uh, you know, her winery will be the first 100%, you know, African-American woman-owned winery in the entirety of the Mid-Atlantic, um, mm -hmm. you know, within a three or four state radius, which is just like really amazing. And, um, you know, a, I think a point of uh, a, a point of pride and also, uh, you know, emblematic of, of the, uh, you know, of, of the company that we hope to build. Yeah. That's really cool. And I love Kimberly. Kimberly, I cannot wait to hear your episode with Drew. We're so proud of you. Um, and so a little bit more specifically in terms of the team and the dynamic, obviously we're siblings and we have a third sibling, Lisa. You grow the grapes and she makes wine. So kind of walk us through how you guys have really like come into your own uh, style of winemaking and how Old Westminster has gotten to um, the type of production and styles of wine that it's making now. Yeah, cool. All right. So let's, um, let's, let's climb into the weeds, right? Like we've just had like lots of like big picture, like yeah. lofty language, uh, buzzwords. And now it's like, all right, tell me what you're actually doing. Um, right. so, Give us some and, practical things. Yeah. 10 years ago, we planted uh, our first 7,500 grapevines at Old Westminster. It's 100% vinifera or uh, grapevines of European descent. So think Chardonnay, Cabernet Franc, Albarino, et cetera. Uh, and uh, we, we had uh, we, uh, and have had a good success with many of those varieties and, and also had some failures uh, along the way as well. And, um, you know, have just been quick to like double down on what works to avoid to cut bait with what doesn't work. Uh, you know, we planted some Sauvignon Blanc at Old Westminster, uh, 1,500 vines 10 years ago. We don't have any of them anymore, but we have a lot more Albarino than we started with. And we've also planted some Native American and mixed heritage varieties that have biological roots here in our region and, uh, you know, are super sustainable to grow. They don't require all of the inputs and, um, you know, fungicides, uh, that vinifera requires in a climate that is otherwise, you know, uh, fairly challenging and marginal. So, um, you know, we, we've really kind of learned a lot about ourselves and, uh, have, um, are constantly working to, uh, create an environment where we, um, uh, just, or try to grow grapes sustainably and uh, make make beautiful wines with um, you know uh, light with a light touch. You know, kind of work in tandem with nature. That means like that means um, you know not using herbicides in the vineyard, um, staying away from pesticides in favor of products like kaolinite or clay, which can be powdered onto the leaves to make them much less tasty to Japanese beetles, for example. So it's a good like low intervention way of, of protecting a vineyard without just going out there and kind of like blasting everything with insecticides. So, um, you know, we're really intentional and, uh, you know, in the winery, uh, Lisa does a great job carrying that through. Um, uh, leaning on uh, wild yeast, spontaneous fermentations, uh, minimal makeup, right? Like uh, staying away from, you know, filtering everything just because and, you know, finding agents. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of 
things, manipulations that can happen within a winery. And, and we're not dogmatic. We don't mean to like greenwash, uh, but, but we just try to make products that frankly we believe in and we want to drink and we hope other people do too. So it's really just as simple as that. And, and that is kind of the filter through which our wines pass, right? So like we're not subscribing to someone else's certification or dogma. It's just like, hey, here's a product. We made it. We love it. We drink it. We believe mm-hmm. in it. And I hope you do too. You know, take it or leave it. Right. Yeah. What are some of your favorite uh, wines that you've been sipping from either Old Westminster or more broadly? That's fine too. Oh boy. Yeah. I'm always drinking lots of stuff. Um, <laughs> some, my wife says it's a problem. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, what, what's today? Today is, uh, June 28th. Is it just today? June 28th? The 26th. June 26th. Oh yeah. This is, uh, the eight year anniversary of, uh, Pops, one of my mentors passing away. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's June 26th. Uh, it's hot, it's sunny, it's dry in Maryland. Uh, we've been, uh, working outside a lot in the vineyard, handheld mm-hmm. weeds because of that whole no herbicide thing I'd mentioned to you. And, uh, then we've also got like some pigs in the barn. One got out the other day. So like at the end of the day, um, it's kind of nice to just kind of sit out on the porch and drink some piquette. Uh, Piquette is, uh, one of those, uh, low intervention, uh, you know, natural byproducts of winemaking. It's like a spritzer. We take some grapes after we've pressed them, we add some water, we ferment spontaneously a second time. And it makes a, it makes a wine product that's like 6% alcohol and just like super refreshing. And yeah. And, and, and we, uh, and we can it because why not? And, uh, boy, it's like, uh, it's like a yard work wine. Yeah. Yeah. So you did, you mentioned Pops, uh, our grandfather, he, he uh, had nine children of his own and many grandkids were, were a part of a big family, um, being one of your mentors. And I see that much throughout your life, but who, who, in addition, would you consider mentors or that you work with within the industry that, that influenced kind of the way that you approach farming and winemaking and business? Yeah, for sure. Um, that's a great question. Um, so yeah, uh, pops, I think was like kind of like a a mentor in life and I can say, and I can tell you that quite literally old Westminster winery would not exist without him. Like definitively. Um, I I had mentioned mom uh, being a nurse and dad being a carpenter, uh, not being blue bloods. I, I remember we planted our vineyard and, uh, you know, just real talk for a second. We planted our vineyard 10 years ago and got halfway through the first season and literally ran out of money. (laughs) <laughs> and you know, like grapes in the vine and in, in the ground, I'm living at home. My cousin, Zach Kennard, who's one of my best friends to this day was like moved up and was living with me, with us for the summer, helping me out in the vineyard every day. We had no employees. We had no payroll. We didn't pay ourselves. Like, I mean, it was just like, wow, I look back and we were bootstrapping things like to the nth degree right. and, um, and still managed to run out of money. So that tells you how sound our business plan was. And, and, you know, and pop up, provided us, uh, you know, with frankly a family loan and, uh, you know, our business wouldn't have existed without him. And beyond that, um, you know, he, uh, he used that loan as, as a Trojan horse to provide lots of advice and, uh, and feedback on, you know, what, what we were doing and how we were doing it. And, uh, you know, I look back and it was just so formative, uh, for me, uh, and, uh, and, and ultimately a deal maker, uh, for, for getting the winery off the ground. Uh, so anyway, um, you know, to, to, to say that he's been influential in my life is, is a, is an understatement. Um, 
other people? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I don't have uh, singular people. Um, I I have always, um, you know, I, I think had a, a, a skill. Um, you know, frankly, maybe it's a coping mechanism for my lack of, uh, you know, just like raw natural intelligence, uh, which is to see um, wisdom and skills uh, and potential in other people, uh, and to seek answers, uh, and to emulate well. So I really think kind of like what old Westminster is and what I am, um, is, uh, a, a case of, of making up for, uh, you know, moderate natural talent with, a, with a Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Join our conversation. How many, uh, sorry, let me, uh, put the old phone on do not disturb <laughs> rookie uh, mistake get it out in the first episode <laughs> yeah for sure cool well hey this is uh this is the brutal podcast nothing added nothing taken out so exactly be, we're rolling with it it will not be edited out right. um so uh yeah i was just saying that um you know i i think uh you know the thing that i've been most successful at and that uh you know my life to this point is the result of uh is just um emulating people around me that I've kind of bumped into in my life and have done or said or gone about things in a certain way that I have thought was right uh, or good uh, and um, been quick to ask questions and, um, you know, to copy. <laughs> um, you know, so much about what Old Westminster is is not really reinventing the wheel. It's just kind of like reimagining or kind of putting our own stylistic flair on uh, something that other people have done that we've looked at and said, wow, that's a great idea. Um, we should do something like that too, because it makes sense. It seems right. Um, mm. And that's kind of, um, you know, rather than, than be overly specific, I would encourage everyone who listens to the show um, to, to kind of like take a look around and see people in your life who've done or said or been uh, uh, a certain way that you admire and talk with them tell them that you admire that, ask them to speak into your life and, um, you know, and to do what they say, um, or at least test what they mm -hmm. say and see what happens. Um, so yeah, mentorship, it's good. Seek it out. <laughs> yeah. And some of that transparency, the transparency that you just shared is really good. I think you've, you've kind of touched on it a few times, like in the beginning, starting just in 2008 with the family business, how it began, um, to more, to that more recent after we planted the vines and, and, you know, essentially needed to, to look to family members to participate in, in getting this off the ground. And even as more recently as recent events and COVID-19, I think a lot of times what we see is opportunity, innovation, um, all of these things are created a lot of times through necessity. Um, and I think you just kind of shared glimmers of that through the beginning of it. What about more recently? Like how, from your perspective, what are you proud of that Old Westminster's done to adapt? And um, what are you more broadly looking forward to seeing Old Westminster and even the new farm um, coming out of a time from now in the current season of 2020 from? Cool. That, that, there was a lot there. Um, I'll give you a little feedback though, right out of the gate. If you could take a step back from the mic, your voice is rattling. I think you're talking too directly into it, just FYI. Okay. Lean back a little. Lean back. <laughs> Lean back. <laughs> All right. 
Cool. I did. I, uh, so, um, yeah. How have we reinvented ourselves? Um, daily we have to, right? Like we're, um, I, I think that it's important to have uh, a team where you can be kind of brutally honest with each other and you can talk about, you know, what, what's real, what's going on around us. Um, we're in the middle of a pandemic. There is a lot of um, social unrest as relates to, um, you know, uh, some uh, um, uh, inequalities in, in, our, in our society uh, that have been there for a long time and are kind of bubbling to a head. And I think in the midst of a pandemic, you know, ad- adversity, I, I think, um, reveals a lot about us. And, um, you know, I think, uh, and, and us, I mean, like capital us. Um, and, um, you know, I, 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 I think that we have an opportunity before us to not only uh, uh, evolve our businesses so that they don't uh, cease to exist, um, but also to double down on our efforts to use that business to not only you know provide um, a meaningful uh, lively uh, way it means to securing a livelihood for our team but and community, but also um, to uh, use what 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 we have been given and use what we have uh, for to, to be an agent of change and, and for good. Um, so that's kind of what we're constantly seeking to do as, you know, that's the why we evolve um, and how we evolve, I, I think really just kind of depends on the particular moment. I mean, it's almost hard to go back through and pinpoint all the times that we pivoted because mm-hmm. it's like we do that constantly. I mean, one of the best compliments I've ever been given is, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Michael Kaiser, who's actually the president of One America uh, and, and a pal, um, you know, wrote me a message one you. time and, and it said something like, um, my head's spinning. I can't keep up with you. I don't really know what right. you are up to at any given moment. And he was like, it's pretty cool, but also exhausting. And right. like, I don't know if he meant it as a compliment, but I took it as one of, of, of uh, you know, uh, the, the highest caliber, because mm-hmm. I think that that sums up what we're about. We're not trying to, uh, you know, create some, um, uh, you know, uh, business that, you know, rises to the top and then stagnates there. Um, you know, it's, we're just enjoying the journey, um, taking things day at a time. Um, you know, sure. We have to make sure that, you know, we have, we can pay our bills and that we can, uh, you know, pay our team. Um, however, um, beyond sort of like doing the fundamentals, right. Um, you know, it's about, it's about like constantly listening, you know, having open ears, open eyes, open heart, and making sure that we are, um, you know, doing our best to leave, uh, you know, a meaningful mark on, on, uh, you know, our circle of influence. I love it. And I think, I think creativity is something that is such like a core, um, mindset and skill set within our team. And I love that we allow even our teammates to, to leverage uh, their ideas and um, create things within what we do here at the tasting room. And um, it's just such an awesome, um, I think, way that we create things together. And I think that that's honestly like a big part of like, you know, what you were just saying of how that continues to pivot and continues to evolve. Um, so 
That is that is Drew, the businessman. Let, let's hear a little bit of Drew, the father. You're married, two kids. You're on a new farm with pigs and beehives. Um, get into that. What are you what are you up to at Burnt Hill? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Casey. Yeah, Casey, uh, my my very patient and loving wife. Uh, we've been married seven years, seven years. Seven, uh, yeah, seven years. This is, this is seven years. Wow, uh, math is hard. Uh, and we have a uh, two and a half plus year old daughter, Nellie, and uh, son Jeffrey, who's eight, nine months now, somewhere in there. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we are busy. The days run together. There's no question about it. Uh, and uh, you know, we uh, we've got. Uh, upwards of 30,000 grapevines at Burnt Hill that we're taking care of. We have a great community, uh, a, a team of, of people that work with us on that. Don't mean to take all the credit at all. Um, in fact, I can only take a very small percentage of it. Um, and, uh, you know, and then we're also uh, trying our hand at this whole like uh, homesteading thing, which is to view our farm as like, a, you know, self-sustaining uh, organism. And, and again, don't mean to pretend like we're perfect and have it all figured out. And, you know, we don't go to the grocery store anymore or, you know, order what we need off of Amazon, like everybody else. I get it. We do. Um, but, you know, we've got uh, 18 chickens in the barn that we're raising for meat. Uh, we've got four pigs in the barn that we are raising for meat. Um, we've got uh, a growing apiary for beehives. Hopefully we'll get like 50 pounds of honey a year out of each. Um, and uh, we're growing some mushrooms in the woods, um, which is, uh, you know, kind of the next little side project that we're going to start working on is, you know, we've got 40 acres of mature forests here at Burnt Hill. So it's like, how do we leverage this natural resource? And like, I know of vineyards out in California and even here on the East Coast that exist on on uh, on land that was not long ago forests that just got plowed over and planted to grapes. And I've got topography maps that suggest much of the land under that forest would be quite good for growing grapes. But the idea of, of plowing over the forest to plant a vineyard just seems so counter to our ethos that we wouldn't consider it. And so rather we're looking at those woods and saying, what can we do? And it's like, well, let's raise some woodland hogs and some mushrooms and, um, you know, like really lean into, you know, the diversity that our farm can offer. And, uh, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, Someday next year, we'll see, start a farm market at Burnt Hill where we not only highlight wine that we're producing, but also, um, uh, you know, mushrooms and honey and bacon and chicken and, uh, you know, and, and uh, we're actually going to be planting 20 acres of, of uh, heritage green, um, uh, uh, wheat, buckwheat, um, et cetera that rye uh, that we're going to um, harvest and, and mill into our own flour. That'll be kind of like the baseline of like a, a pizza program. So we've just got some, like I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we have an affinity for kind of like big audacious goals. And that's, that's, that's the next one is like kind of like branching outside of um, just the monoculture of grapes and wine. And, and instead looking at our farm as like a single self-contained organism that has many, um, uh, that has, you know, many organs and functions. And, uh, you know, that's kind of like a cool thought. It's something that you can kind of sit on the porch after a long day and drink some piquette and think, think big thoughts. And, and I enjoy doing that. Yeah, for sure. And I, I was going to follow up with a question, but I think a lot of people have probably recently learned it, which is like, 
balancing the whole dynamic of being home and, and intermixing like your kids and the, your business and what you do for a living. But I think people have gotten a real like close glimpse at doing that the past couple of months. So I, I, I don't think we even necessarily have to go in it, but I think that you do that very well. And um, it's really kind of fun to watch what you share even on social media and just how you incorporate all of that. So um, one of my favorite questions that you have on this uh, list that we're not specifically going through, but I think it's like a nice outline of um, and I just think it's a funny one. So I want to, I want to ask it to you. Tell us a story that's so brutal. It's hilarious. Wow. I, cool. It's on uh, the brutal uh, podcast. We have to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I just turned the volume down a little bit on this. I hope it doesn't affect the uh, outcome of, of the uh, overall episode, but I'm sure our buddy, Matt, the music, the sound guy is going to fix that, but the, it the break I don't have mine audio, all the way up either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully that, hopefully we can work with it. I'm sure it'll yeah, be good to go. It should uh, be good. Yeah. Um, so story that's so brutal. So first of all, um, we called this the, the, the brutal podcast and brutal is uh, a, a word with many meanings. Uh, and, uh, it's, it, it, it's rising to prominence within the natural wine world. So it kind of makes sense in that regard. It just kind of refers to wines that are like, um, uh, just grapes, like just like really rustic and authentic wines um, that are made with uh, like no manipulation, no sulfites, no filtration, no nothing. And um, uh, and and brutal is a term like within the natural wine world that's actually a positive one. Um, it's I you know I, I think it's almost like saying like something like oh wow that's sick you know like when you see something that's really cool um, you know it's a, it's a negative term at face value that actually means something good contextually um, but for me, for us, brutal is also a term that we always used growing up and this is kind of the meaning I want to recapture, which is when uh, something happens that is like so brutal, that it's funny, right? Like when you just like, when you misspeak or like when you do something like really stupid that like when you look back and you tell somebody else how terrible it was that they can't help but laugh. That's what, that, that's what brutal Right, was. it was totally brutal, yeah. That was totally brutal. So, I, you know, a couple comes to mind immediately. I, I think of like, just like I, I've got two, got, got two thoughts. Um, the first was just like a, a little slip up that <laughs> was, was brutal. Uh, I was at... Um, uh, uh, a Maryland wineries association event. And I was speaking about growing grapes. And I think it was like one of the first times that I ever had the room, right? Like I'm up there and like, I'm this 24 year old kid talking about my experience growing grapes. And <laughs> you're talking about like, I, I was speaking to when to harvest, right? Like when, you know, the grapes are ready. Uh, and, uh, and, and I was speaking to, you know, the idea that you can kick the vine and when the grapes start to fall off, like that's a natural indicator of ripeness, right? Like I was trying to like be really insightful. And I remember saying in like another key sign of ripeness and when they're ready to harvest is when they begin to defecate. And like in that moment, like I saw a couple of wives and then I like, I saw people like looking at me like, bro, what are, what are you talking? And then I was like, no, I meant desiccate, like shrivel up. And then I was just like, oh man, I can't believe that. Yeah. It, was, it was pretty funny. And then I remember someone in the audience said um, something to the effect of um, the shitty wine seminar is next door. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty well played. But anyway, that was brutal. Uh, and, uh, another like more, uh, you know, sort of old Westminster specific, uh, story that was, that, that I thought was going to be the next 
best thing since sliced bread was when we came up with this idea to nitro infuse canned wine. And uh, like, I still believe in it. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, hey, like in beer, you can like nitro infuse it to like get softer bubbles and let's make nitro infused sparkling wine, like soft, frothy bubbles. We'll put it in cans. Like I remember I had like conference calls with an attorney on like how we were, this was going to be like the first thing technology that we were going to patent and like nitro infused wine was going to be the old Westminster's like ticket. Right. And uh, anyway, we, we, we ran with it. That's for sure. And, uh, and then we were like, let's, let's, let's go a step further and let's do like a fruit infused Chardonnay. That's a nitro wine. So like we went out with our team and like handpicked blackberries and raspberries from a local orchard, brought them back, dumped them into a tank of Chardonnay, allowed it to start spontaneously fermenting, infused it with nitro and put it in cans. And we called it nitro bramble. And we were like, man, was this, delicious. this is the ticket. It was so good on that first, on that first day. And then right. I remember a couple of weeks later, uh, I got an email and like leading up to this, like a couple of, there were a couple of stories of spontaneously combusting cans, right? Like one of our, like Joey Fox, a guy that's been on our team forever was like, dude, I was like driving this order to, to the wine shop. And then I heard it, an explosion in the back of my truck that sounded like a grenade. And it was a, a whole can of nitro just like exploded. And then like the following week, I kind of knew we had a problem, but I got an email with um, the subject line, all caps, WTF. And I opened it up and it was one of our accounts, uh, a, a wine shop in Baltimore that we have long sold wine to and still do for miraculously. And he said, Hey, um, Nitro Bramble, uh, cool wine, bro. Uh, I had a can sitting on my desk and it spontaneously combusted all over my brand new MacBook. Um, not sure what we should do about this. Uh, but I think for starters, you can buy me a new computer. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. So anyway, um, it, it was, uh, we, we, uh, I'm not sure exactly how we navigated our way out of this whole situation without like complete, without getting like sued and, or ruining our brand entirely. But, uh, it was, it was a pretty brutal couple of days when we were like, all right, we've shipped this wine out all over the state. They're literally dangerous. Like, how do we like re recall this product without right. anyone? So anyway, it was, uh, it was pretty brutal. Right, right. If anyone had that nitro bramble, <laughs> yeah, get in touch with us. We'll make we'll make it right at this point. <laughs> it was it was delicious wine. It was fun. Um, it was something. It was one of those innovative, creative things we tried. It was something. Um, yeah, was it safe? Maybe not, but we we tried it. We learned that quickly. Um, great. Well, is what uh, is there anything else that you want to touch on or share to the listeners before we kind of talk about how they can keep up with you and all of the things that you do at the farm and, and the community that you're impacting and, and all of that. Yeah, sure. I enjoy sunsets and long walks on the <laughs> beach and leather-bound books. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'm uh, just really excited to, um, you know, to get this podcast off the ground. Um, you know, over the past 10 years, uh, I have done a, a fair amount of blogging, especially early on. I've really died off 
uh, just lack motivation to write and edit. And I feel like you're not uh, busy at all with all of the new things at your farm or anything. Right, exactly. So the spoken word, I think, is just a more efficient format for sort of uh, uh, um, sharing thoughts. And right. so I'm, I'm excited to kind of venture out on this path and then also to interview uh, people who I find uh, inspirational, aspirational, uh, and who we have, uh, you know, taken uh, and uh, in, uh, been uh, emulated. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, I hope um, uh, those of you who are listening, um, you know, feel like you, you know me a little bit better. Um, if you have any questions, uh, uh, don't, don't hesitate to reach out. If you think that this is going to be a cool show, which it will be, um, uh, feel free to, uh, to subscribe, uh, via, um, uh, Spotify or iTunes or whatever technology you use for I, uh, for, uh, podcasts. And uh, we're going to release a new episode every week, every Monday. Like I said, I've got eight recorded. They're good. I'm going to start rolling them out once a week. So um, please do uh, join us for this journey. And um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be lots of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me on the first show. It was fun. Yeah, thanks, Ash. Appreciate you uh, very much, as you know well. And uh, looking forward to uh, turning the tables and interviewing you and Lisa on a future episode to talk about the uh, young, talented ladies behind Old Westminster Winery. That absolutely just excited about it. Ride. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, bye.